It's been a joy to be with the morning session, and I see some coming for the second session. Wow, well, well done, well done. We uh, are in a series, if you haven't been with us, and uh, the series is called, um, it's not on the board yet, it's called How to Move into a Season of Spiritual Vitality and Maturity, and it was born out of a survey that was taken over several hundred uh, thousand people, and um, yeah, they, they were asked the question, what caused them to grow the quickest, um, and what caused them to come out of the wilderness the quickest, and so we've dealt with the one called um, the Bible. Uh, we last week talked about prayer, and this week we're going on to relationships. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and uh, verse 9? Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. We're talking about relationships. Relationships have a dynamic impact upon our spiritual growth and upon our spiritual vitality. Relationships cannot be circumvented if we want to grow in any way. We went to Switzerland to church plant and um, we took many, many months to actually get it going because of the spiritual dearth and uh, dryness of that part of the world. And for the first time in 40 years, we were not in fellowship with other Christians, and we had not one Christian friend. And it was agonizing. It was a terrible wilderness experience. And for the first time, we realized the vital significance and vital importance of relationships. We cannot do without relationships so without relationships, we are spiritually impoverished. We will never prosper spiritually in any way. We're not an island to ourselves. And so I want to look at a couple of areas, and they're very basic areas, um, of developing and growing and deepening relationships to our advantage, for the body of Christ's advantage, and to the glory of God. And the first one is regular Sunday attendance. And... Um, the portion is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It's over there. Let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And obviously something was happening here in the early church. Some were not meeting regularly. And so a suggestion was made. No, no, it wasn't a suggestion that they meet regularly. In fact, it was a command. It was a commission. It was an instruction. 
and they are also told to encourage one another. So the encouragement is in the realm of meeting together on, on a regular basis. Counsel someone a couple of weeks ago who was from another church, and uh, life was in an absolute mess, and uh, probed with a few questions here and there, and, and said, are you regular in fellowship in your other church? No, not really. Um, so when last were you in fellowship? When last did you go to a Sunday worship? person had to think. Six months ago. And over the years, as we've counseled people, I've realized that the majority of people we counsel are not regular in attendance. They are not regular in their commitment to the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is sacred. The Lord's Day cannot be circumvented without a penalty, without us actually going into deficit. And that's, that's what happens, unfortunately, when we don't obey the Lord and when we don't meet in fellowship with one another. Hebrews 10.25 says uh, that we are to encourage one another. We are to encourage one another by our regular attendance. We are to encourage one another to be regular in their attendance. We, as we meet on an ongoing basis, as we're regular in attendance, we encourage each other as we meet. And so we encourage each other by our actual presence on a Sunday. Um, we were doing a church plant in Hrabo, and uh, Daz and Lisa were missionaries, young couple, and they were such a delightful young couple. And occasionally they went and did a, a triathlon and so on, and they weren't away very often. But when they were away, man, we missed them. It was like, where, where are you guys, you know? And when they were back again, we were like, yeah, really missed you. And I'm sure you can relate to that, that there are some folk that when you see them, you, you see them regularly, you say, wow, they are such an encouragement when we meet regularly. And we're an encouragement to each other by our conversation. In uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21, it says, the lips of the righteous feed many. We're not only just fed from the pulpit, We've, we feed each other as we have coffee together and as we relate to each other. How about that? Are we prepared for that? Are we ready for that? Are we praying about that? As we feed one another with our lips, our conversation, our joyful and sincere worship is an encouragement to one another, is it not? And wasn't it a special time? It was, there was just such an anointing this morning at the, at the early time too. And... Um, God encourages us. I worship God at home every day. I, I sing to, to God. But when I come here, there's something dynamic. There's something very special as we get together and uh, we lift our voices to God. You're allowed to say amen or yes, or uh, you're allowed to um, not have a holy hush uh, if you don't want to, if you, you, you feel, feel free to, to do that. So we... Then the next thing in our encouragement, we forge relationships, don't we, in uh, coming regularly. And we develop sometimes very deep relationships with one another that stand us in good stead for the rest of our lives. Except if you're something like me, we're a wandering Jew, you know, uh, five years here, ten years here. But some of you have been here forever. 
And, um, and those relationships still stand because you fostered them at a time like this over coffee. And then we need to also foster relationships with newcomers. We need to be looking out for them and making them welcome. I'm sure you've been on holiday and you've been to churches that are most welcoming and you think to yourself, wow, I could join that church. It's so welcoming. And other churches, it's like you're Mr. Invisible, Mrs. Invisible. It's like, you know, no, no welcome at all. And you don't want to go back there. And, and so um, if you are a visitor here today, um, are there any visitors here today? Visitors? Okay. Right, no, you're not a, a first-time visitor, but uh, we're glad that you've come to join with us. Yeah, amen, amen. I like that, you know, just say it as it is. So, so, so... Um, no visitors? There are some visitors over here. Well, this round of applause is especially for you. We were expecting you. We were praying for you. And there's some, some over there. Over there. Good. Welcome. Welcome. And we've made a special lounge for you over there. And special goodies to eat. So if you would uh, go to the info center... And you'll, you'll find it, there's, there's a lounge, people will be there, and they will be there to sing to you, um, uh, no, just to, to, to talk, talk with you. We're talking about how to encourage one another. We're talking about relationships, 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 right? And we need to give ourselves away to each other if we are to establish and forge relationships. And the more we give ourselves away, the more we are blessed and the more people uh, are blessed as well. Many, many people, when they're in trouble and they're in difficulty, they hibernate. They just duck. And that's the worst thing to do under the sun. It's the best place to be when you are struggling, when you're battling, to be in fellowship, to be in your home group, to encounter, uh, encounter Christian brothers and sisters. Okay, so that's the bigger group. And let's move on to the smaller group, small groups. Although Jesus Christ ministered to the masses, he also ministered to small groups as well. Well, he had a group of his own, of 12. And, um, and I think he set the pattern, did he not, for, for us to follow. The early church followed that pattern right from the word go in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. I like that word, devoted. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. They couldn't get enough of fellowship. They couldn't get enough of relationships. And they were blessed out of their socks. They were motivated. They impacted on the city like you couldn't believe. It wouldn't have happened if they weren't in fellowship. Randy Fraggi says, from the beginning, God designed and hardwired us for community. Community is not a nice-to-have addition, but an essential experience for living a godly and healthy life. God intended for us to have rich, life-giving relationships with each other. And that happens in the smaller group. Okay, God, 
God created us for community. That's why non-Christians gravitate. They don't gravitate to church because they're dead scared of it, but they gravitate to social clubs and, and, and sports clubs and, and so on because we're wired for that. We're wired for small community as well as the big community of believers like this. Far too many Christians um, use the church as, as a club. Um, they pop in occasionally and, you know, they pay their dues and they think, you know, they're honoring God and, and they're serving God. We cannot do that without dishonoring our head and dishonoring one another. The small group leaders met together on Wednesday and we asked them to share testimonies. We asked them to share with us the good things that were happening in the, in the small groups and I was really blown away by the amazing things that, that were happening in, in small groups. We couldn't stop the one group. We had to say, well, okay, you know, we haven't got uh, all that much time to, to carry on. But just one thing after another, after another, after another. They were praying for each other. Uh, prayers were, were answered. People were being discipled. People were being saved. Um, exciting stuff. If you're not in a group, you're losing out. You're missing out. There, there's a dynamic there that... That, that we can't get anywhere else. We need each other in the closeness of that fellowship. There are little cards outside there. You'll find one of 30-something uh, home groups, uh, small groups to, to affiliate with. Go and, and join with one of, one of those groups, and you'll be blessed enormously. And so this word says that they devoted themselves to the what? To the fellowship. Fellowship means to have and to share something in common. What we have and share in common, we share our faith in, com in common, our salvation. We share our love for Jesus. We share our love for the Word of God. We share our love for fellowship, of worship. We share our love for spreading the gospel. We share our love for glorifying God. We share our love in community. We're family, right? We're family, right? Hello? You should have had coffee before you came. We're family. All right. Uh, we're linked together more than those that go to sports clubs or social clubs because they have something in common out there, but we have something in common here. The Spirit of the Living God unites us together. I get excited about that. When I came into the, the fellowship of the saints, I was an only child. I look around and say, whoa, I've got brothers and sisters, uncles and aunties, grandparents, everything. Whoa, I chose not, not to have brothers and sisters, but look what God has given to me. And we must never take the fellowship of the saints for granted. We need to be devoted to one another. This word one another is mentioned no less than 50 times in the New Testament. Do you think it's important? One another, love one another, care for one another. It's all one another. Why? Because we're family. Because there needs to be the intimacy of fellowship. Romans 12 that we read, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves, one another. And never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. It's in the context of the small group. That's where we keep our fellowship that's where we keep our, our fervor and our zeal for God. We stir one another up. We stir one another up. And, and, and um, you heard the testimony today. They not only eat cakes, cakes um, but they, they, they really enjoy one 
another. We're going to visit you. Man, those cakes were nice the last time we came. Wow. Are we really devoted to one another? Can, can we say, yeah, I'm, I'm devoted. I'm devoted to one another in this, in this church. If we come haphazardly and, and even if we come regularly, but, but we're not really in fellowship group, you know, how, can we, how can we be devoted to one another? There's a lack. There's a lack in our lives and there's a lack in someone else's life. We're not growing spiritually as we should. Keep our spiritual fervor. Keep our zeal. Our next step is to go something smaller. Mentors. Jesus led the small group of 12, did he not? But then he had a smaller group of Peter, James, and John. And there was a special relationship with, with them. Of course, he must have mentored the others as well because he's God. He's able to do that. We can't mentor too many people, but we can men mentor one or two. But there was the special dynamic between these these other, these other in the group. And then when you read the New Testament, you can see how the older or more mature apostles mentored the others. We won't go into detail of that now. And so you, you, you're asking me the question, do I really need a mentor? Why? Why is it important that, that I have a mentor? I'm glad you asked the question. Well, because Jesus modeled it for one and it is modeled in the, in the New Testament, and so if it is a practice in the New Testament, it must be good. It must be good for me. And so I need to look into that whole area. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said it to a group of people. He started mentoring them. He set the pattern. He set the tone. John Maxwell says, if you've never had one mentor, you have no idea how much it can improve your life. You have no idea how much it can improve your life. It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. Amen. Yeah. We're getting some response here. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. And he who walks with the wise grows wise. He who walks with the wise grows wise. Isn't that profound? It's like powerful, powerful. And so we need to draw near so what are we looking for in a good mentor? And how can we become good mentors ourselves? We're looking at two things, looking for one and becoming one. We should be looking for one and we should be coming one, right? Wow, that's, that's quite a tall order. Well, we need to grow spiritually. We need to grow spiritually. John Maxwell makes a f some, some good suggestions. And the first is that we need good mentors uh, of worthy examples. Were the examples. We need to look at someone who has walked the talk, someone we can admire, someone that we, we look up to and we want to emulate. Because they say that you become like your mentor. They, they say that you become like, you look, begin to look like your dog. I'm glad I got rid of my bull terrier. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's important that you... Examine someone's life before you, you ask him to mentor, her to mentor you, so that you become like that person. Follow me, Paul said. Follow my example as I follow Christ. He also said, I urge you to imitate me. Imitate the good things. Imitate the things whereby I follow Christ, not the sinful things. We're all sinners, 
Jesus Christ was the only perfect mentor on the planet. But even as imperfect mentors as we will be, they are the good things in Christ that others can see and, and follow. And then a good mentor needs a, to have a proven uh, record or experience. So everybody can learn from somebody else who's been further down the track than they have. Chinese proverb, to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. Newlyweds, how about asking someone who's been married for five or 10 or 20 or 30 or 100 years, um, and, and they, they're very, still very much in love. Just keep that in mind. If they're fighting all the time, then, then we have problems. Don't, don't go that way. Um, if you are struggling with your finances, well, find someone that, that, that's been through the road and has overcome and has, has turned the corner because you, you probably find someone like that. And uh, if you're over, trying to overcome uh, an addiction of some sort, whatever that is, look for someone who's overcome and who's victorious in God and is clean and free for, 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 for a number of years. Um, and we can go on. What, whatever your need is, there's someone in our fellowship that's been there, done that, learned the lessons, and has moved on. And you can say to them, gee, how do I do this? Okay? So... We can seek mentors in the areas in which we have a need. A good mentor possesses wisdom. We arrived in Somerset West from our church plant and um, knew Pete Howard Brown from New Covenant Ministries and he hooked us into, into church leadership straight away. We didn't know the people at all and he asked us to be part of, me to be part of a mentoring group that would meet for six weeks meet an hour a day for six weeks, um, a group of 18-year-olds to 30-year-olds. I was the, the, probably about the youngest. There was one of 78 on the, on the panel. And when he, when he asked me, I, thought, I, I became a, a little fearful. In fact, very fearful. I was like, really? For six weeks? They, they can just bombard us with questions, any questions for six weeks? Like, whoa, how's this going to work? We're going to peter out. You know, it's like, we don't have that much to give. You know, I kept those things to myself. Didn't tell them about that. So we met, and uh, I was blown away by the success of it. It was like, really? It's incredible. That Sunday we met, a group uh, surrounded me uh, of, of young guys that were at the group. I thought, are they after my wallet? No, they're not. They, they, they're speaking. They come to speak to me, and they said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It was like, really? <laughs> it was a panel, you know, it was a group, you know, it's like, it was a shared thing. And, um, and, and I realized then that we've actually got much more to share uh, than we actually realize in the experiences of life that we grow in wisdom in. We develop wisdom over the years, right? Some of us older guys with grayer, grayer hair. And you, you, we take it for granted. Well, but that's, you know, didn't you know that? Like, you know, so the hour, no ways. It was like an hour and a half. They wanted more, more, more. It was like an hour and a half for six weeks. Never forget that experience because it taught me a lesson. And uh, I thought it was not going to work. But God used us in our wisdom that we accumulated from mistakes made 
A good mentor provides friendship and support. He will have your best interest at heart. He will not be in it for himself or herself, but he'll be in it for you to seek your best. That's what we're looking for in a mentor. Errol Mulder came to our church in, in Queenstown, and um, the, the previous pastor was an older man, was a young man, a single man. He was just a few years older than me, and um, we just struck up a friendship because we, we were um, single and um, just a couple of years apart, but he had more experience and more wisdom. And, um, and so we befriended each other, and we just did, did stuff together. Um, in those days, it was kind of frowned on to go to, to Bioscope. We, um, and I said, this, 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 hang on a good movie. And he said, no, I can't, you know, it's like... So I said, no, I'll, I'll buy the tickets. And, and uh, you come in at interval, and so when the lights go down... At interval, like, come, Errol, you know, sat at the back. I think he had a hat on. And uh, you can take your dark glasses off. It's crazy, but things have changed. That was the time of the Rinderpest, right? Okay. And, um, but we walked the road together. He spoke into my life. He, he was direct, sometimes too, too direct. It was like, it was painful. It's like, but, but I knew that he had my best interest at heart. And so even though it was was painful at the moment. I said, God, you're obviously wanting me to change in this area or that area or the other area. Friendships. Friendships. Availability. How available and how approachable is the mentor that you're looking at? If he is around for only six months, every six months, then it's not going to work. You need someone who's there who can relate to you on an ongoing basis. You need someone who is available. So we see the bigger fellowship Sundays. We see the smaller fellowship the midweek, the mentors. And then there's another era. How about friendships? How about having a friend? Proverbs 27 verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Where does that, where does that happen? In friendships, right? It happens in friendships. We can sharpen one another. Finding a friend... Uh, is invaluable. Someone who's more or less on the same spiritual level as you is invaluable because you can grapple with the Word of God together. You can share your fears and your failures and your aspirations and your ups and your downs. And you can walk a road together. And it can start as, uh, with something very simple as meeting together for coffee every, every week or every other week and just sharing what God has has spoken to you about in your quiet time. I had a friend who did that in early days, and he said, so what, what has God spoken to you about in your quiet time? So, really? Quiet time? Okay. Um, God spoke. Yeah. So next week, I was, I was ready with the answer. And I'm like, yes, Lord, you speak. Um, and you speak to me, and, and you grow like that. Friendships. Foster them. Ecclesiastes says this about going through the ups and downs of life with a friend. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Or if they fall, one will lift his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's Christ who is the other member of the strand. Imagine if everyone in this congregation 
found a friend. And that friend cared for you and you cared for them. There would hardly be a need in the fellowship. It'll be, it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. Not too many people would knock on Matt's door, my door, or, or, or even the cell leader's door. But first, first line of, of action would be a friend. It's like, ah, I have this burden. This thing happened at work. Please help me. Would you pray about a friend? Would you pray for someone that you can relate to? So this is what Rick Warren says. Nothing shapes your life more than the commitments you choose to make. Your commitments can develop you or they can destroy you, but either way, they will define you. Tell me what you're committed to and I'll tell you what you will be in 20 years' time. We become whatever we are committed to. Will you commit to being regular on Sundays? You know, if everybody committed to that, we would have a full house. We would like, whoo, how are we going to fit everybody in? Members and adherents. I think we're going to revival. Would you commit to a small group? Would you commit to a mentor? Would you commit yourself to becoming or considering becoming a mentor and say, God, develop my life that, that I might be at that point where somebody might come? And I might, I might be a mentor to them and a friend. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, how we bless you for fellowship. We bless you that you're in our midst. You, we bless you that we are family. We know that no man is an island to himself. We know that we cannot grow in isolation or insulation. We grow best in relationships. And so, Father, forgive us if we have pulled away from relationships or not really involved. We want to be devoted to one another. We want our lives to count for you and for your kingdom and for your glory. We want to reach out beyond even this fellowship and make friends with the world. That's, that's another thrust of relationships. So come and anoint us for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. If you have